This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Hey everyone, this is Zach Inevich, Assistant Business Manager of IBW Local 98 North, with your home run tip from your hometown team. For your next construction project in the suburbs, trust your electrical needs to the highly trained, masterfully skilled electricians of IBW Local 98 North. Knock your next electrical project out of the park. Call Local 98 North today at 610-489-3800 or visit us at IBW98.org. Now on Talk Radio If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. Hour number two of the Labor Show here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Again, J-Doc, special thanks to Vince Tarducci for joining us in the abbreviated uh, first hour uh, of the show. Uh, now we transition into uh, the John Doherty hour. John's uh, hour uh, is loaded for bear. Again, three great guests coming up. But before we uh, reference the guest and introduce you, John Doherty, welcome in, my friend. Nice to have you back live uh, and local right here on Talk Radio 12. 10 WPHT. How's my man Krause and Joe Doc doing? All right. Well, I'll tell you, the Phillies just won the, th- uh, the, the, thir- the third straight uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, I know you already know that, John Doherty. Um, we, you know, who, who knows what might just happen? Who knows in the last seven games? Well, we did say they could win the division, and we did say we thought they were going to win the division. And you know, Roger Suarez pitched, you know, pitched a complete game shut out. I haven't seen that in a while out of a Philly pitcher. And uh, in football, of course, Penn State rolled. Notre Dame came out of nowhere to blast Wisconsin. And there's a lot of other games that, you know, have some surprises. You know, Clemson uh, might lose. And uh, there were two or three other games that were really, really close in the top 20 that people didn't expect. And nobody played Penn State fairly good. You know, I mean, honestly, they played them well. And and no question, it's, it's a great time of year. Uh, so much going on, and of course, uh, there's something going on on Monday night that I know that everybody in the Delaware Valley is going to be glued to the TV watching. It's a one of the two, uh, it, 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 as every sports fan knows in the city of Philadelphia, there's two dates that you circle, and that's both Dallas Cowboy dates, but also this. This is what I always say, Johnny Doc, and I wonder if you feel the same way, but I'm pretty sure you do. We talk about football. My favorite—I have two favorite teams, and I think we know where this is going: the Philadelphia Eagles and whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys, my friend. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, some of my favorite dates in the winter are definitely them two. You know, there's a few Penn State games occasionally at Temple. You know, big game down the link, and Krause's coach start this time of the year. Actually, he runs it all year round, but during this time, he really pounds the neighborhood. Yeah, and, uh, just started. I just started the shoe leather, Doc. I just got everything ready. I, I, I uh, just started outlining some stuff. You know what I did? And I don't want to get. I don't. I don't want to get lost on it too much. Um, but uh, over the summer, I started collecting sleeping bags. Nice. So I've got about sixty bags, sixty sleeping bags. Uh, that I'm going to add into the back of the flex this year 
Um, but the collection will be up and running. I'm, uh, uh, I'm sad to say that it has to be done, but I will continue on, my friend. And, of course, uh, the only reason I continue on, Doc, is because of your unconditional support to it going all the way back to Bergie well, Sports Bar in Conshohocken <laughs> at an Eagles pregame show with Bubba John and that first year, J-Doc, if you don't remember the story, we did 337 coats, and John said, that wow. is not enough. And that's where it started. But that first year was, was just, that was the beginning, and, and I'll do it now until I leave this world. And when I leave this world, my, kid, my boys are taking over. My boys are going to do it, so all good. Awesome. John, you a know. Couple things, a couple yeah. real quick things. Sure. If you get up to 75 of them bags, we'll match them down at local 98. We'll get you another 75, so you have 150. Do so you go get 15 more, and then we'll get you 75 new ones? Beautiful. Okay, so, Beautiful. so we'll do that. And you mentioned, you know, your partner up there. Uh, what, a, what a great guy he was, Bubba. You know, great rock and roller. And, you know, he had a, he had a different personality. And if you said to me, was there anybody around that, you know, had that same type of dry humor? It was our good friend Big Daddy Graham who just passed. Yeah. You know, I think we kind of missed that last week. But, you know, I got to know Big Daddy, and I just want to send a big shout-out to his family and, you know, to all his friends. And I know they had a send-off for him down at the, you know, the uh, baseball park last year. And I know the Eagles did uh, last week, and I know the Eagles did something at the game. But I just want to let you know, I got to know him when he was in the gate. Okay, and... To say frustrated when he realized that he was never going to walk again, that's mild. He was, like, insane mad. And, you know, I'm not speaking out of school. And, you know, I spoke to him, you know, every night or every other night. And we had a couple arguments. And we didn't know each other that well. And then he, he said, like, a couple crazy things to me. And then one thing he said to me was, you know, John, it's been, like, 40 years. I never had, like, a Labor Day where I didn't, I didn't you know, go on the beach with a beer and a pizza and Labor Day. So, you know, I never said anything. Comes Labor Day, I knew he was a Mickey, along with Celia and a few other people, you know. And um, so we showed up and we put Santa all over his room. You know, we had a Mac and Manco's pizza, and we got him some nice drinks from uh, from down Seattle that we knew he couldn't drink, but we wanted to bring it back and have for him. And uh, got to know him a little bit. And I'll tell you what, love Philadelphia, smart as a whip. You know, I know he jumped on one or two shows with us, you know, but it's just a shame he was taken from us. You know, Bubba was taken from us. Guys who just not only love sports, you know, he grew up in Southwest Philly, a West Catholic guy. And you know me, that's, it's all about the neighborhoods. It's all about the schools. I mean, he was one of them old guys. He asked you what parish you went to. You know, it's just a die and breed. And, and I just want to send his family. I got to know him. And, you know, uh, the years that he brought a lot of fun. And, you know, he was a late-night guy. And, I mean, any time that I was doing anything, and there were a lot of late nights, you know, in the union movement, you know, with picket lines and protests, and, you know, we'd be glued to what he had to say. You know, and again, you know, Bubba, I love Bubba. He was, he was hilarious, you know, and I used to, he was my Rolling Stones partner. You know, he, he, he'd always have some good gossip, you know, about something that was going on in the rock and roll world. And, you know, I, I give you credit, Krause, for, for, you know, introducing me to, you know, to, uh, you know, all your friends. So thank you. Yeah, and, and Doc, I will say this, and then we can move on. What an unbelievable streak Philly's biggest fan had on the original creation of the Countdown the Kickoff show. Uh, it was a great streak. Um, you know, some of those old files, Doc, in the archive, 
will be great audio clips for us one day uh, to just re-rack and listen to really, really good stuff. Yeah, before we go to break, I do want to say one thing. I just got a text from Jimmy Snell, and Jimmy Snell said, uh, who's the business manager Steam uh, for this Local 420? Steam for this Local 420 will match local 9875 sleeping bags. How wow. about that? How about that? And you know what? That's what the show is about. Uh, you know, our labor leaders, obviously, um, giving back uh, has been something they do for forever, but at the same time, uh, never talking about it. And we want people to know who we are, and that's who we are right there. John Doherty and Jim Snell. Uh, matching that 75, uh, 75 sleeping bags, Joe Krause. How about that? You know, you, you know where Jim Snow was this afternoon? He had a scholarship dinner, right? He had people from all over the country in town for a scholarship dinner last night on North Broad Street at B. You know, he does a great job. But you know where he was today? You know, I mentioned last week, I mentioned off the, off the radio to you guys, he had a member really, really hurt down on the chop job yesterday. It was a freak wow. accident. Seems like a product liability issue and a heavy piece of gear fell on, fell on a young apprentice's legs. Now we were all there. And I have got a unique opportunity because I knew the doctor that was involved in trying to save this man's legs. And he called me and I had a chance to talk to Jimmy's apprentice last night, which made my evening, made my week, you know, that I could talk to this kid because I was down there two or three days, you know, just making sure that our guys were protected and our guys had a shoulder to lean on. And you've, you heard me talk about that before, but Jimmy Snell on a Saturday after spending all evening, okay, entertaining and raising money for scholarships. And they had one of the premier original scholarship funds that go decades back. Spent an hour in the hospital room in a very tough environment where, you know, they don't let too many people in with COVID as well as, you know, the complicated recovery that this young man's going to go through. But Jimmy was there. And just like Jimmy was with us, we're going to be with Jimmy every part of this recovery because he took this personal. He's going to make sure this kid's all right. You know, and this kid's, you know, big fan of the union movement, has been involved in the union movement from day number one. And I'm going to put, put on record tonight that not only will Jimmy help him get better, but the building trades will be here with Jimmy every step of the way. And it's just good to let our members who listen to the show know that their union is for them. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. There's no bigger advocate for their members than Jimmy Snow, uh, Steamfitters Local 420, and, and our, obviously our prayers go out to the, to the injured uh, Steamfitter. Um, certainly, you know, those things are very uh, difficult. Those are things we deal with on a daily basis, and our leadership that, you know, is there when, you know, in those very difficult hours. We're going to take our first commercial break here on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. On the other side of the break, we'll introduce you to David Woods. We'll tell you why he is an important person. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor. 
And back here live on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, John McNichol, CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center. A little bit later on, Jay Doc at 745, Pastor Buddy Osborne uh, will join us. Uh, now, um, as mentioned and as referenced going into the break, uh, joining the John Doherty Hour, David Woods uh, jumps on board. Yeah, so Joe, more than a thousand Nabisco employees in five states who are members of the Bakery Confectionery Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers Union uh, voted in August to strike against Nabisco, obviously one of the world's largest snack food corporations. Uh, David was at the forefront of this situation, and we're ecstatic to have him on the broadcast. David, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Well, if, if you would, I mean, because that was a, a big one. Um, Lead us into um, that situation and, 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 and how it was resolved. Well, it gets down to the, the workers always make the decisions. And at this case, the workers made the decisions to strike. They felt like the company wasn't listening to them. Um, and uh, the company was wanting to take takeaways. They knew the company made profits, huge profits, over the last uh, year with COVID and, and we still continued to make record profits. And the workers were working record hours. And the company wanted uh, takeaways. And the workers said enough is enough. And they said, we're not waiting any longer. If it's, uh, we need to get their attention, we're going to do it now. And they were ready. And that's what they wanted to do. And that's what we did. Uh, John Doherty? Yeah, I just want to congratulate you. I've dealt with Nabisco in the past. And I can tell you that we had a Nabisco plant in Philadelphia on Roosevelt Boulevard. And the last time they tried to renovate the place, after we patched them and kept them alive for years, the Philadelphia Building Trades, they decided to use a non-union contractor who was from outside the area. And, I mean, he destroyed everything, wages and benefits. And I have to let you know, I fought with them a little bit. So when you went on strike, it was easy enough for me, okay, to be a supporter. Now, I have to tell you, you know, ever since the strike, I've had figuratively, I've had a bad taste in my mouth. But I can't tell you it was literally because I loved Oreos. Nothing like the, the chocolate Oreos with a cold glass of white milk. But I don't eat right. that because of the way they treat their people. You know, but I understand you did a magnificent job. You protected. I know they wanted to play with you with overtime. You protected yourself there. You got a really significant increase in the first year. You got a multi-year contract. You got an awful lot of things that really look good. You know, and if there's anything you want to highlight, you know, please yeah. do. Because believe it or not, we get, a, we get a lot of people that listen, but we also get a ton of people who listen to us during the week, you know, because we download everything. And you'd be shocked at how many people talk to us and understand. I'll get three calls this week guaranteed from union leaders saying, hey, are we, are we eating Oreos or not? You know, yeah. tell me what's up. Two things I want to tell you is, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for this time. Second of all is uh, the health insurance. Uh, if you know anything about the Philadelphia bakery, and that's one of the one of the several bakeries that Nabisco's closed over the years and moved jobs to Mexico, and um, and that's something of its own. What we're encouraging people to do is look at the label, check the label, at the label on the back where it's, where the ingredients are, where the calories and stuff are listed. If you look down below where the owner is, uh, where it says Mondelez, if it says right below it, made in Mexico. Put it back. Don't eat it. I don't care what Nabisco product. It's got that little corner diamond on the on the side of the box uh, that says Nabisco. If it says made in Mexico, put it back. Look for the stuff made in in America. Which, if it doesn't have a, a label, if it doesn't say made in Mexico or made in Canada, then it's made in the USA. 
And that's what we want people to purchase. And that's a campaign that we're not going to stop against this company. We have an AFL-CIO boycott against made-in-Mexico products uh, from Nabisco, and we're going to continue that boycott. As a matter of fact, we're going to double down on it and keep pushing. But one thing the workers fought for the most was health insurance. The county came out of the gate wanting to change their health insurance, and this is one of the one of the health insurances that I deal with in our industry uh, that's very rare. It's 100-0, no deductibles, no co-pays, no creeps. And for something to hold on to that type of Cadillac plan is just enormous in this time, day and time because everybody seems to be 80-20 or 90-10 with the co-pays, deductibles, premiums. This group was able to not only hold on to health insurance for themselves, uh, but also for the future members, what we call unborn babies, our future members that's going to be coming to our plant someday. We took care of those people just like the people there took care of. And that was probably the best uh, issue that at our table that we fought for was not just for the current, but the future members of that health care. That's a huge health care. It's a huge cost. And the workers fought hard to keep that. That was the, probably the number one issue. Uh, David, talk about um, how Nabisco handled the strike at the onset. Did they, did they attempt to bring in scab replacements? Yes. Yes, they did. They brought in guards and, and scab replacements. They weren't able to bring in as many as I'm sure they would like to. And, and these are high-tech, high-skilled jobs. These, these, uh, working in a bakery isn't just like sweeping a floor. It's, it's, uh, you got to know what you're doing. you got to know what you're looking at. Uh, to make a cookie or bake a cracker is, is not as simple as people think. And it takes high-skilled labor, and they didn't get that high-skilled labor in there. They found out their management team wasn't able to uh, supply the, the, uh, the, the qualified labor to do the jobs or train anybody. They really need this in there. And since we've been back at all three of the bakeries that were involved in the two distributions, we have found out that they've, they've had a mess in all three of them. Matter of fact, they've told the workers they hope they never have to go through this again. And that goes back to the, to the workers uh, taking on this fight. I mean, enough was enough. The company didn't believe they would do it, and they did. And, and uh, it's just workers fighting back. And, you know, we just came off the cuffs of, uh, of the Frito-Lay in Topeka, Kansas, our international union did. And we were able to take on that company. And three weeks later, was able to get a contract. This one took a little bit longer, uh, but uh, but we were still able to get a good contract, a fair contract for the workers, and uh, it was satisfying. Uh, John Doherty, uh, one of the things that I would I would um, convey to David is when you come to Philadelphia, we, they they talk about cheesesteaks and and um, you know soft pretzels and all those things. But but for years and decades since I was a little kid, and I know you as well, John, driving up the Roosevelt Boulevard and smelling those cookies and the cakes from the Bisco um, was also a big deal. And we would, you know, it literally was something that everybody talked about. Unbelievably, they took that factory and they moved it to Mexico. And I say that because they're not to be underestimated. I mean, that was a staple in Philadelphia. You never thought a company like Nabisco, as big as Nabisco, okay, would never resort to tactics like that. Uh, uh, talk, John, John, you want to comment on that first? Then we'll go to David. Yeah, I just, look, I, I already told David. You know, I mean, look, my, my taste for their product went, went out the window when they, they moved out of Philly. You know, and again, I, I can tell David every time that our friends in that union movement, you know, the Baker's Union has had an issue, the Philadelphia Building Trade support them every step of the way, and we don't even know yeah. them. You know, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I can tell by that, that little uh, uh, voice that David has, you know, that he's probably a Dallas Cowboy fan. We'll talk about that on the way no. out the door. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, That's the well, end of this interview. Now, Eagles guys, here, I just want to let you know. But all kidding aside, all kidding aside, 
you know, they did a great job. It's a great environment. They understand there's definitely there's definitely a good feel out there for unions. And it's just not about people not being able to get skilled workers. It's about people not getting people and knowing how to treat them. Because prior to the pandemic, okay, they weren't treating our people fair. That's I think right. they just appreciate it, you know. So, I mean, I can't thank you enough for getting on the show and telling you what a great job you guys did and whatever you need in Philly, you always get from us, you know. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, I do appreciate that. The BCTGM family does appreciate it. My international president, Anthony Shelton, absolutely appreciates uh, us being able to get our message out. And, and this is for all workers, whether they're union or non-union. If they're out there non-union, they want a union, take a look at us. We're willing to fight uh, to, to protect workers. All unions are. And this is a, a shot in the arm. Liz Sheeler came out, our new AFL president, came out to our picket line, and she re- she gave a, a really good uh, speech for the workers down in Richmond. And um, and I t- have to say that uh, I think she did a great job in coming out and giving the people a little bit of shot in the arm. Uh, they're on, on like week four or five, and, and, and uh, it really made a difference to see the whole labor movement and all the different AFL-CO affiliate unions came out uh, to help out. A lot of charity organizations, a lot of politicians came out. It was really something to see at this day and time, and social media was just the greatest thing that we were able to, to get our message out and and then folks like you guys that uh, help get our message out and do support is, is what makes a difference in, in uh, workers' lives. It really does, and we do appreciate that. Yeah, David Woods. A and a good friend of mine from uh, the IBW, as you know, she's done going to do a great job. You know, Richie was, you know, we were big Richie guys. want to let you know, we, uh, here in Philly, we're getting ready to go after Go Puffs, and we'll make sure they, they're they like a big supplier of the Mexican product, you, you know, that you're fighting. So we'll keep you in the loop yeah. there, too, but... Spread the word. Go puff. You know they're not. They're not good people. You know they they, they made a, a multi-billion-dollar company taking advantage of people. You know right now when they should be rewarding their workers during the pandemic. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely should be rewarding their workers. These were heroes and essential uh, back about a year ago. That all of a sudden some of these companies just forgot who they were, uh, and and that how they made them the profits that they that they came out with. Uh, you know, Nabisco is, is uh, they're not a good U.S. corporate citizen. Nabisco, Mondelez, nobody knows what Mondelez is, but uh, Nabisco is not a U.S. company anymore. As a matter of fact, there's a strike with Cadbury in Australia right now against this company for the same stuff, the cutbacks and stuff over there. I mean, this is a global company that just just, just hates workers. Uh, and they're just total corporate greed uh, against workers and always trying to find work to move to a third-world country. And uh, and undercut uh, the American uh, uh, American and other countries that that try to do good for their workers and uh, support unions and and uh, we just got to stand the fight and uh, it's not going to end here. There's a lot more corporate greed out there and I just tell you I see some other fights on the horizon. Uh, one of them possibly being with Kellogg. I'm in Kellogg negotiations, cereal negotiations right now uh, with the four cereal plants and there again they come to the table saying they're moving jobs to Mexico. And so this fight ain't over with the BCTGM. Matter of fact, by October 5th, we're the, I may be on your show again because we're going to be out there fighting Kellogg if Kellogg continues to come to the table with uh, concessionary bargaining, uh, just like Nabisco. It's like they don't learn. And, uh, but we're willing to fight. And the work, as long as the workers are willing to fight, it's their choice. When they're ready, we're ready. And we'll just tell us on. what we're allowed to eat, David. Come on. I, come on, you're taking my cereal and my cookies. Okay, just tell us what we're allowed to eat. <laughs> so far, you're leaving me pizza well, and ham and cheese. I, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> well, well, keeping them Philly cheesesteaks, they're good. 
They're really good. I don't, I don't eat, they're good, but I don't eat much of them. I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm totally <laughs> layered, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Well, buy American-made products. Buy American-made products. Look for the label on all these products because the Evan Kellogg's not just a U.S. company anymore. They're all global companies. Look for the stuff. David, uh, time up. we got enough. other people. We'll see you later, buddy. Stay in touch. <laughs> yeah. Take care, guys. David, thank you so much, man. Good stuff. Good stuff from good stuff from David Woods joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. We'll get ready to go to a commercial break uh, here. Uh, before we do, uh, oops, J. Doc, John Doherty's uh, done it again uh, as we go to the break. Uh, Wayne Miller, Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, sent me a text. Uh, they'll do 76 sleeping oh, bags. One, one up and everybody, huh? Then 98. And Local 420, back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW 1776, and Sheet Metal Workers Local 19. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. Back here on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you live here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'll transition uh, over to John Doherty as John McNichol is going to join us. Again, Shout, big shout-out, Wayne Miller um, uh, jumping in with 76. I can't believe it. Yes, Jim <laughs> Snell jumping in. John Doherty, you've done it again. Uh, but I digress. Uh, over to you, my friend. Good guest coming up, the CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Yeah, John McNichol is a good friend. I'm not going to spend too much time. I've introduced him multiple times. He's one of the reasons why we have an active convention center. His leadership, his senior leadership, is amazing because if you take a look during the pandemic, when the whole industry shut down, the hospitality industry lost 80,000 people because of the pandemic. You know, John was already planning for recovery. In the process, he was modernizing the facility. One of the reasons why we're going to be able to jump the gun and get some of these outfits to come back is because he did everything. Changed the air, all the products inside, and the way we do business. He modernized it so that it's almost pandemic-free, pandemic-proof, and that's just John McNichol. He's good. People like him. He's got a great bedside manner, and and I always laugh. If you're going to leave the hospitality industry, you have to be hospitable. And this guy is not only smart, he's hospitable. John McNichol, come on in, buddy. Doc, how are you, pal? Thank you for that Good. very kind introduction. Great to be with you. So, so John, uh, you know, obviously welcome to the broadcast again. And, 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 and certainly, um, you know, during the pandemic, obviously there's a, a number of things going on. How, how is the convention center doing with bookings? Well, it's a it's a great question. It's 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 a big challenge for us. Uh, the good news and the bad news. So, good news is we had a fairly full book going into this year. As you know, the big conventions book three, five, seven, twelve years out. So we've had a lot of business on the books. The challenge is keeping them on the books. So we've had a fair number of conventions and mid-sized shows that just frankly couldn't financially swing it because they rely so heavily on international travel, for instance, or, or travel from around the country to come to Philadelphia. And they poll their attendees as to whether or not they're likely to attend the show. And if they're not getting the kind of numbers that it would take to sustain the investment, 
and running the convention, you know, they're canceling. Now that that we've seen stop. Now we have a few uh, a few shaky legs, and we have some folks that are still canceling some some events, but. All in all, you know, the the business is coming. We have a big, nice-sized show in the building today, and we had a 20,000-person tattoo convention last week. Uh, so the business is coming. We're able to service it. It's really a question of the customer and their constituency and whether or not they can get them to get on a plane or get on a train or drive to Philadelphia and come to a convention. Unfortunately, a lot of them, uh, the business we do is, or fortunately, I should say, is a lot of the medical associations. So a lot of them are tied up doing what they need to be doing all over the country, and some of them have a greater hesitancy than, uh, for instance, the Tattoo Show might. You know, that group was willing to travel. They're, you know, uh, they were here 20,000 strong. Uh, but, you know, that that's just a challenge we meet. In terms of bookings, we're, we're doing very well in filling the gaps, but I'm not going to fill a 10,000-person convention uh, that disappears within six months. I'm not going to fill that space. And what I'm going to have to do is fill it with a lot of medium size and smaller size stuff so we can keep the lights on, keep the guys and gals working, uh, in the building, that's always important to me. And if we're working in the building, then it means people are working in the city, in the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, the clubs, museums, and everything else that makes up our hospitality industry. Now, now John, you talk about obviously filling those dates. Um, you know, you do a fantastic job of marketing. What is that process, especially when you're, uh, you know, you're you're you're, you're marketing for. In some cases, as early as this winter, what is the process? Yeah, well, don't, Doc. I'll tell you, I don't take credit for other people's work. The, um, I, you know, I, I try and help set the strategy for that and talk about everything that we're doing to make the building the safest building anywhere in the country. And you know, Doc mentioned that in his introduction. We put about twenty million dollars into the building uh, using uh, very sophisticated air handling technology. We've upgraded all of our air handling systems in the building. We put ultraviolet uh, light sanitizing units in all the escalator handrails. We're doing it in the elevators. Uh, there's no building, no, no building that, can, that we compete with, any convention center in the country that's going to have a better, more safe environment. So that's the first thing that we do to market the building is let people know that we've reinvested when everyone else was sort of sitting on their hands, we had the uh, ability, because of the support we get from the, the state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and our board of directors, to dive in and, and get ahead of this so that we could market the building against our competition. That's number one. Number uh, two and three are we have two tourism agencies. One is the, the PHL-CVB, which markets to all of our large convention uh, marketplace and then we have our leisure travel market that's served by visit philly and they've been crushing it um you know all i can say is those guys do all the heavy lifting in the marketing side what you read what you see what you hear on the radio uh in terms of come to philly is coming out of those two operations and 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 they have really been doing great work um with a lot less money than they expect to have in this year, but they've been very creative and they've attracted a lot of uh, really important new customers and held on to a lot of existing customers. Uh, John, talk about the partnership between labor and the convention center and how, what an integral relationship that is. Well, you can't, 
you, it's it's not even I wouldn't even call it a part. It's a brotherhood. It's a partnership, sure, um, but they're the fabric of of how the place works. I mean, if if we didn't have uh, you know IBW and the stagehands, if we didn't have the laborers, if we didn't have the riggers, we couldn't build a single show. Um, you know, where else are you going to go out and find you know fifteen hundred skilled laborers? <clears throat> to build a very complicated uh, convention that those people don't exist on the street. You have to go. You have to rely on the training that happens at, at uh, each of the respective halls and the, all of the work they do in in safely training people to work uh, in a you know very complicated environment. We have the most skilled labor force anywhere in the country. I put them up against anybody. We can build anything. In that convention center, we've done very complicated shows in the Pennsylvania Convention Center. We probably don't get recognized enough for it, um, but that's just a fact. Um, and frankly, if it wasn't for leadership of you know guys like Johnny and Sam Staten and Mike Barnes, you know, that we have the best team that we could possibly have, and it's to everyone's benefit. It certainly benefits all the members of the unions that work in the building when the business rolls through, but it also benefits the city in a much greater sense because if the convention center is not busy, then, like I said, nothing in the hospitality industry is busy. So that helps all the hotel and restaurant workers and all those other associated service unions to, you know, to, to have gainful employment. Now, hopefully, we're going to pull those people up and bring them back to work um, they've been. It's been slow. It's been a hard hit on the hospitality industry, the building trades, because of how great they are, and because of the uh, you know the projects that you know a lot of the business agents have been able to attract to the city. They're doing okay, but you know our hospitality workers and those other unions are they're dragging a little bit, and we got to help them out. John McNichol yeah, is our special let, guest. Go ahead, John. Let me jump in real quick. See the, the conversation. In, in this industry, there's a tremendous amount of people involved. You know, like you said, there's 80,000 jobs that revolve immediately around a successful convention center. And, you know, we, we don't just don't throw, you know, uh, compliments back and forth. He mentioned Sam, who does a great job, who has a tremendous amount of people in that facility, okay, and has a lot of relationships in this industry. And that's Sam Staven Jr. Michael Barnes, we have on the show quite often. Michael and his relationship with Live Nation and Peter Luco and their emerging company and on and on and on have been great. Okay? You've got Kevin Boyle handles now the iron workers and the rod setters, another fan here, and even Billy Hamilton. Billy has a relationship with the team students who work directly with John. They've done a great job. And in this complete, you know, uh, participation partnership that we all have right now, making sure this place works. We loaded this center up. That new agreement we did years ago, which John was, you know, in the middle of with, with myself, you know, it had a lot of ups and downs during the process, but it paid dividends. We were the number one place to go in America, inner city, and every magazine from Condé Neste on down was saying it. You know, no center has done what we did to make the place safer. You know, ultraviolet rails. You know, you can't go anyplace without making sure that the place is pandemic-free, okay? And now, the way that he navigates leadership, it's a time now where you need everybody to be the best that they are. And he knows how to put people in that position. You know, I've watched him. You know, he throws a lot of accolades my way. I throw a lot of his. 
you need leadership. I don't have a problem doing my role, but he most definitely doesn't have a problem doing his role. And listen, he's got that smile, and I joke with him about being in a hospital. But I'll tell you what, he also knows how to say no. And he also knows when, when things are wrong. And I'm going to tell you, if there's any place, okay, that in, in the region that's going to be attracting big shows, they're going to have to really outduel what John's capable of putting together in a partnership. It does a great job. It's great having him on the show. It's a difficult environment right now. And he also takes it personal that all them people that are working and all them restaurants and bars and hotels around this hospitality industry, you know, beside us, beside the people in the trades that, you know, keep that place alive inside. So it's just, it's just it's great to have him on. John, use this anytime you need to scream at the top of your lungs. If there's something we're not doing right, let us know. If you need us someplace, you need our money, you need our marketing, you need whatever, you got it. Johnny, thanks for that. You know what I need you to do is keep doing the things that you're doing for the building trades and keep them strong and safe because they're, you know, they're too critically important to our operation and the cooperation that we're getting in the building is, is fantastic. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we have customers, I'll say this real fast because I know you're up against it. We, you know, we have a lot of customers saying the only way I'll come to Philadelphia is if I know your workforce is vaccinated. Well, I didn't get, listen, I think it's in everyone's best interest. I don't, you know, regardless of where you fall on the vaccine question, I personally am vaccinated. My family's vaccinated. I want all my people to be vaccinated. If not, if there's some lawful exception for that, okay, we'll work with you on it. But to a person, every single one of our trades stepped up, the stewards, the foremen, all the, the rank and file stepped up, and they've all gone through screening processes, and they're doing exactly what they're being asked to do. And that raises, again, customer confidence. That's not always easy to get, but that's a measure hey, John, of the partnership. For, for, for 30 years, I've been making tough decisions, okay? On this show, I said early, just like the policies and procedures we put in place when the pandemic hit, you know, were adopted by OSHA nationally, which everybody mimicked up and down this East Coast, and we kept our people safe and working. Thank God. Okay, when it came time... And the vaccination issue became, look, I had COVID. You know, I got a wife that, you know, we need to protect. She has, you know, serious issues with health. And we weren't going to put her in any bad positions. Putting that aside, I always respect everybody's rights. But if the end user, especially the hospitality industry, okay, he's just vaccinated, we're going to be vaccinated. Yep. Great stuff from John McNichol, the CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center, joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. We'll take our final break. On the other side of the break, Buddy Osborne will join us back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on the John Doherty Hour as we come to you live on a Saturday night. Big show tonight. David Woods kicked us off in the opening hour. John McNichol, Jay Doc, CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center, um, just joined us and a big guest coming up to finish it up. Uh, okay, but before we get to, to, to Pastor Buddy Osborne, who's an incredible guest, the tally of sleeping bags just went up to 300 on the broadcast. A, uh, a text from uh, uh, Plumbers Local 690 business manager, George Pegram. Uh, the Plumbers Local 690 will match the 75. 
uh, that local local ninety eight of course uh, the sprinkler fitters and uh, uh, who also they, they jumped in here another seventy five Jim uh, Snell Jim come Snell on, Jim brother, Snell my man Jim come Snell on, man. I'm just saying I'm losing track here we're getting so many donations it's, it's great that's fantastic uh, John Doherty. Um, we, you know, we, 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 uh, we have a special guest coming up. If you would introduce Buddy Osborne. Well, I'm going to, we're up against the hour and we can always get Buddy back. I'm going to tell one story and then I'm going to read some statistics. You know, I talk about Buddy every week. I talk about Buddy almost every day. Okay. It's amazing. We had a ton of kids die over a period of time at local 98 over opioids. And you would have never known at most of them, like 18 over three years. Okay, and I didn't know what to do. It was the most frustrating thing I ever went through in this union. Okay, and we made drastic changes. We took the macho out of the industry. We hired. We put all type of 724 service in. And in the last three years, we don't believe we had, we've had one kid who was struggling for years past, but we haven't had anyone else pass. Okay, so, you know, it's a tough hit. But if you throw time, money, and people at it, you can save lives. And Buddy does it. But he's in a situation where it's the worst. I don't know if there's six, seven square blocks any place in America. Okay, turn the wire on in its heyday and where Buddy works out of his worst. Okay, I had a conversation with the governor. He was supposed to pop in and see Buddy a week or so ago, and there was a gun incident. And the people around him kind of protecting the governor, and rightfully so, said, hey, we're going to stop back. Well, I lost my mind, okay, because I wanted to see the governor stop there. I wasn't going to be there. And I told him that I've been down there every week for years, and I've never seen an elected official down there that wasn't doing a presser. Okay? In fact, they don't even do pressers there. It's so bad. And I wanted to get the governor, and he promised me he's going to be back. Okay? Because it needs money. Okay? There's places down there that are just McPherson Square Park. It's so bad. People were dying in OD, and and you never hear about it because nobody goes there. Ambulances don't go there. Police fans don't go there. I called the mayor. I was screaming and shouting and ran in a raven because Buddy almost had me in tears. You know, and the mayor did a great job. They sent, you know, and he went right at it, which was one of the first times anybody really went right at the out. Okay? And Buddy just does a great job. There's like 200 drug dealers. It's a billion-dollar operation. You know, I got, I got a couple kids that work with me, and they're, and they're not lightweights by any means. Every time, and we're down buddies every couple weeks dropping off deliveries for babies and on and on and on. Whatever buddy needs, we're there for the building trades and Local 98. And 10 times what you just heard, you know, on the call every other week. So I said a couple kids, and some of these kids are tough kids. They come back every time they're there, they're shocked. They can't believe that people are just having sex in the street. They can't believe that people are shooting up needles in the street. They can't believe that people are just snorting drugs off the car. They can't believe it. They can't believe there's people selling needles to people right there. I mean, like it, like it's open trade. I mean, they just can't believe it. Buddy's there every day. And we always talk about the buddy doing the, the chaplain stuff. This ain't about buddy doing the chaplain stuff. This is about buddy being one of the few people. Okay. Who has the, the internal fortitude. I almost slipped there guys. And he has the internal fortitude to stand up to drug dealers and to everybody there. It's a billion dollar industry under there. Okay, and what I'm telling you, there's people dying. It's the worst buddies ever seen in 20 years. There's people dying that are, you don't even know about. It's something has to be done. And, buddy, I love you. I don't have enough time to, 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 to but tell us what, whatever you need. And I promise you, 
I'm going to start with the governor. The mayor knows it's hot with me, and we got to, it, it, drug addiction's terrible in where in areas where we're losing tons of people, like we did at Noble 98 for that period, where we try hard. We tried a little bit harder through a lot of money, and we were able to get control of the issue and save lives. You know, we need to help you. Okay, we need more than sleeping bags down there. Okay, and we have to do something quickly because this is out of control down there. Buddy Osborne. Buddy, do we have you? I think we lost Buddy. Yo, can you hear me? I heard we got we got you now, buddy. We can hear you now, pal. How are you? Great, man. Good to hear your voice. And I don't know I don't think I can top that. I think Johnny just has my heart, man. I, I you know, I, I got I get. I just have to share this with you. You know, one of the things that I, I love about BTF, Building Trades Friendly, is that's exactly what they are. I believe that we had all the managers together to take over the city. And let me tell you something. We would get some things done. No disrespect to the politicians, but they, they you know, we, 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 our guys lead with their heart, and sometimes that's what we have to do in this case because we definitely have problems down there right now it's considered the next it's the it's the you know the skid row of america down there i mean we have a french tv station that has five million viewers they're going to be at the rock all week they want to just they they just can't believe what they see because in france they got a major problem as well with opioids so they want to kind of emulate what we're doing but john i got to tell you something you only hit on a few things because I've never, in all of our years, and this just didn't happen the last two years. You've, you've been, you, you, did, you only gave it a little bit. We get diapers and, and baby wipes and Clorox and toothpaste and soap and towel. I don't, I don't to me, when I, it's, uh, it's always like Christmas when 98 comes down in the building trade because we never know what the people in the community are going to get, and they absolutely love it, man. You know what I mean? But let me just say this. If I could say one thing, Kendrickton has no voice. And we need, we need a voice. And we need to get a win. We need to get a win bad. And, and it's my desire, it's my heart to see McPherson Square, as John mentioned, if we can somehow, some way, you know, have the right people at the table and listen to us. Because we, if we can get that turned back to the community, five and a half acres of green space, the only green space in Kensington, it's going to send a shockwave to the whole community because the community they really don't feel like anything's getting done they're promised so much but it's just it's just a a complete uh nightmare but let me just tell you something i have hope despite what i see the killings the overdoses uh, i have hope because i'm reminded of this this guy named nathaniel a couple thousand years ago in a little ghetto town called nazareth and what happened was he said, he said, like this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we know who came out of Nazareth, the one who gives us hope and the one who gives us just a, a fresh start, a new beginning. And that's what people need in the hood. They need their hearts transformed. The heart is considered the spiritual chamber of our bodies. And when the heart is transformed from the inside out, man, wonders, wonderful things can happen. And that's what's happening with these kids. John, I'll tell you what, I've seen so much, in, in, despite the darkness, I've seen so much, so many amazing things take place, and we take it one kid at a time, one block at a time, one family at a time. And I remain hopeful to this day. On the block, set 19 years now, and, I, and I'm not getting tired of it. I'm not getting tired of it because we just want to. We want to reach kid, Johnny. Two things, buddy. Now, I haven't asked Governor Wolf for anything but good government and jobs for the trades. Okay. 
I leaned on him the other day and told him when he comes back, I need him to help us get McPherson Park and give that back to the community. And we'll help you yeah. clean that up. And the other piece of information that people should know about you and your chaplains, that with nobody showing up under that L ever, Buddy and his chaplains that are made up of policemen, former policemen, and primarily building trades, craftspeople who either retired, who are just decided yeah. to dedicate their life to Buddy. Okay? They send 100 people per week into some sort of help. 100. They might not stay there an hour. They keep sending them back. Okay? Mm-hmm. Somebody has to try. Somebody has to fight. Buddy's going to do it. We need to get Buddy on again next week. I'm sorry because there's so much we need to do, and we need more than sleeping bags down there, guys. And, Carol, before you... Buddy Osborne, before... Uh, J-Doc, I'll come to you in a minute. Buddy Osborne, um, thank you, my brother. Appreciate you much. Um, we'll get you back on here uh, again. And whatever you need, the answer is yes. What's the question? That's Buddy Osborne, J Doc. He, he is an incredible, he is. incredible. And he mentioned man. the leadership in the building trades, wanting to help. I just got a call from Kevin Boyle, uh, business manager on Marco Circle 4 1. They want to match it with another 75 sleeping bags. Buddy, we've raised over almost 400 sleeping bags since we started this show uh, with John Doherty's donation. You're right. Our business, our business managers and our union leaders want to help. That's going to do it for yes. this edi- that's going to do it for this edition of the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of Buddy Osborne and John Doherty, I'm Joe Krause, along with J-Doc. Believe in hope, everyone. See you next time. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.